Welcome to the first season of the Astrid and Mew Brand Lab podcast, where we will get a sneak peek into iconic brands through their founders and leaders. We will talk about their personal and professional backgrounds and also talk about various current issues they stand behind. I am your host, Aninam, founder of Astrid and Mew. This week, I have with me Charlotte Williams as our guest. Influencer and founder of 7-6 Agency, an influencer agency dedicated to representation and sustainability. Her video on Instagram on Black Lives Matter movement went viral, and that's how I found her. She is young, gorgeous, intelligent, and just flat out impressive. I feel like I'm having a fangirl moment. Hi, Charlotte. How are you? Hey, I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm very well. So Charlotte, first of all, tell us all about you. Oh gosh, <laughs> all about me. Um, so my name's Charlotte. I am the founder of 7-6 Agency. So we're an influencer marketing agency based in London and we focus around representation in advertising. Uh, me as a person, I'm the founder, I'm a model, I'm an influencer, um, a dog mom, <laughs> a girlfriend, um yeah and I'm really passionate about everything I do but also like a total geek and really loved <laughs> an introvert and just love being at home with my dog yeah I love that <laughs> <laughs> I know that you work for various brands in the past um what was transitioning from working for other brands to setting up your own business and being an influencer like so weird and crazy because you completely lack that stability I think I yeah. didn't realize as much because I have a lot of freelance friends and no one really talks about the craziness of freelance life, I think, unless they're talking to another freelancer. Yeah. So yeah. I had this like glamorous idea that I'd just have work and then be paid on time and it would just be like <laughs> a normal job. But actually, um, the transition was quite difficult just because you have to get used to just a different way of being. I worked in-house for so long and then a I did a quick stint freelance at an agency just to get some kind of idea of what an actual agency is like behind the scenes and then launched 7-6. So yeah, it's just strange. The biggest thing is just payment, just making yeah, sure it's like yeah. Monday morning is what I've actually been doing, just like chasing invoices. <laughs> um, fun. Yeah, my <laughs> admin day. But it's just, yeah, that's the biggest thing to get used to, just not knowing when your money's coming in because yeah. it, it might say 30 days, but then they'll pay mm -hmm. you in. But Three it's months. so good that you're talking about this because no one talks about the challenges no. of being an entrepreneur or being a freelancer. And when you start, like uh, for me as well, it was such a lonely journey because yeah. there were so many problems and so many issues that I couldn't tell anyone about. Yeah, and it's kind of, when it's like money and things like that, you kind of get a bit embarrassed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Especially in this culture, I yeah, think. Yeah, definitely. And at the beginning, it was a bit like, oh, like, oh, I've got no money because I've got like thousands of pounds owed to me that, they just haven't been paid. Yeah. And then you kind of can't go out with your mates and then you're just like, yeah. oh, but you're making money. It's like, yeah, I am, but no one's paying me. And then later on down the line, like now we've kind of got it sorted, but um, yeah. they're still the odds. Right. Yeah, and it must have been so <laughs> conflicting because you're this glamorous influencer and you're a business owner and people tend to think that you're rich and glamorous. And yeah. You, like, uh, run your own business, right? But then I make that very more. clear. <laughs> it's like, it's very much a month on month situation. But actually now we have the agency, it's, it's very different. Yeah. I think being freelance and being a, a business and like an entity is yeah, quite different. Yeah. So what's the biggest difference? What has been the biggest transition? I think it's because now I have a team. So there's five of us. So when I was freelance, I was very much by myself and I was doing everything. 
um, and now running the agency. We're a year and a half in. We've yeah got a team of five, including myself. Um, everyone has their own responsibilities, so I'm not constantly being chased for you know small tiny things because everyone has their role. And then also the income is diversified, so we do lots of different things within the agency that we are paid for. So I think there's just like more streams of income, I yeah, guess, which yeah. is which is great. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and you have a team of five people now, you said. And yeah. where do you want to take the brand to? What's uh, your vision for a 7-6 agency so or beyond? I'm still, <laughs> what a question. I'm still, <laughs> I think we're still in such an early stage. Uh, we are a year and a half in, but I think everything changes so quickly, especially in the digital space. Wow, I can't believe you're only a year and a half in. Yeah. You're so well known. Do you think? Yeah, I feel like it's gone viral. <laughs> oh, I love that. We actually do need to grow our team. We we manage quite a few um, influencers and talent. So there's nine on our books and there's a few more that we want to pick up. Mm -hmm. And even this weekend, I've had four people message me that I love to say, I really want you to manage me. And we can't because we physically can't okay. manage any more people because we, we, we don't have enough people to look after them. Yeah. So that's, that's a good problem thing. to have. Yeah. All of our problems are great problems yeah. to have. It's just... I'd never run a business before. This is yeah. all really new. So I'm literally just like constantly asking friends who are business owners and who are either successful or up and coming and just picking their brains to be like, what did you do when this happened? And yeah. what, did, what do you think about this? I'm also very aware that I'm a terrible manager. I'm just not good. <laughs> I've never wanted to be a manager. I'm not good at managing Oh people. my God, I was so terrible. I, I, I'm sure I'm still terrible too, but I, like, I was the worst manager ever. Okay, so we need to talk yeah. about this because it's something I'm literally talking about all the time, just asking people their top tips and like how to be a manager. Yeah. But I... I'm still navigating that, but I always say to my team, like, you need to take responsibility. You need to be, you know, the person that you're hired to be because I'm not, I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to manage you. I just want you to do yeah. the job. But um, yeah, so I think that is like the biggest thing, just navigating. Yeah, it must be such a steep learning curve. Oh, it's yeah. amazing. Every day I learn something new and I'm just like, oh my God. But I'm really, really lucky to have an amazing team. So my sister's one of my employees and also... Oh, literally great. manages my whole life and um she, younger or older younger but she's just incredible so she's like my my rock right now oh, everything goes amazing. through her yeah it's just keeping on top of those kind of things and just making sure that I have the right people with me and like my friends I'm so grateful I have so many friends and family members who run incredibly successful businesses or um are running businesses that are kind of similar but not the same yeah. and they've got different insights that they can give and I'm just surrounded by people that are just there to support and yeah, that's not amazing. everyone has that yeah. so. so you have multiples of mentors that you can tap into for yeah, different things which that's is great yeah um that's I don't such think a luxury I know it is and I don't yeah. think they'd consider themselves to be mentors because they're just like it's just a text like hey can yeah, you just yeah you know how much do you charge for this or if your staff member did this, what would you do? Yeah. And like things like that. But it's so helpful. And I think yeah. if I didn't have that, I don't know how I would navigate the whole world yeah, of being yeah. a business owner, especially a female business owner who looks at least 10 years younger than she is. And just like I work in an industry where 96% of the agencies are owned and run by white middle class men. Mm -hmm. And I'm not white. I'm not middle class. Yeah. And I'm not a man. Yeah. So it's so interesting to do what I do yeah. because I'm not the norm. Some A piece of advice someone gave to me um, last year was 
hire people who know more than you. Yeah. You shouldn't be the person who knows the most in your business. Yeah, yeah. So at yeah. the moment, I think we're doing a good job in, we've got a few juniors and they obviously don't know more, but they do know more in actually other areas that I'm not tapped into. But yeah, I'm trying to hire people who are just the best in the business yeah, right now, which yeah. is Yeah, I think that's daunting. the right thing to do. Yeah, and obviously during the BLM movement, you've been a huge force in the industry and the whole movement. And I've actually um, learned about you through your viral IGTV post. <laughs> Didn't quite go viral because technically you need to have 100,000 views and it only oh, really? had 92,000. Oh, nearly there. <laughs> so technically. <laughs> so, so since then, what, have you, what kind of positive um, changes have you seen in brands and the whole industry? So that was just mad. So the... Video that I posted, as you said, went throughout like, across the internet. It's the most viewed piece of content I've ever made, mm. and like way more views than any of my other yeah. pieces of content. And it was but, so informative, by the way. Yes, the big thing I think since then, I think something I'm grateful for is actually just starting the business. So when I started seven six, there wasn't another agent, and to be honest, there isn't really anyone that does exactly what we do. But there was no one that did what we did. So when I launched, I launched with the vision of becoming an agency focused around diversity, focused around black and brown content creators and pushing them. No one cared. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't something I'd have meetings with brands. And you know, my clients that I have, and I have been working with for the last year and a half, have all got it. And they're like really into it. Yeah. But when I, I've only pitched a few times to brands, I've been quite lucky that we've just always had work through word of mouth. Yeah. But a lot of times I'd talk about what I did and people would be really interested, but then they wouldn't see the need for it. And it's quite funny now. So after the BLM kind of resurgence, we, yeah, we just got an influx of new clients yeah. and new opportunities and it's been amazing. But it is kind of bittersweet because this has always been there. Like yeah. we've been here for a year and a half. This this kind of diversity consultancy and all the things that we do have been around. It's just people didn't understand that they needed it until yeah, now. Yeah. But that on the positive spin, we've worked with some amazing brands on their internal um, anti-racism agenda, on um, how to make their marketing campaigns more inclusive. I've done some really cool talks with some like amazing brands internally and externally. And we're just seeing so many more people approach us for the content creator yeah. yeah content creators so we have a network of over 350 influencers that we work with and the amount of jobs that have come in since end of may june has i don't know quadrupled oh, and wow. it's amazing so it just means that they're getting work yeah, yeah which that's makes amazing. me so happy because that's yeah, what it's yeah. about sometimes it takes a crisis to yeah, solve these problems exactly yeah. and i'm happy to be part of it if it means that people are seen and yeah yeah that's amazing uh i've listened to one of your other podcasts and you said uh, when you were an influencer you'd go to an event and you would be the only person of color in there yeah um uh, can you tell me a bit about tokenism and how that's changed over time or whether it's still there yeah it's actually quite interesting because of lockdown like we won't be going to events in the same way as we did before. So we can't really see a comparison yet, mm. which is I'm really excited to be invited to an event, a physical event at the end of the year or soon. Hopefully, I don't know when the restrictions yeah. will lift and see if there is a difference. But, you know, back in the day, pre-lockdown, I would be invited to events and I only had like at the time, maybe five, six, seven thousand followers. And I because of my I always think it's because of my um my job I'm I've always been a marketer I've always yeah. worked with brands when I was at Hello Kitty I used to work with literally every brand under the sun Vans, Converse, Furla, 
ASOS, Topshop, whoever it might be. So I have all the contacts. So I'd be invited to events as an influencer. But I think it's cause, just because they knew me. Yeah. So I was just like an easy invite. But I'd get invited to events. And a lot of the time I'd sit down and I'd look around the room and I'd be either the only black person or the only person of colour. And if it's yeah. the only person of colour, that's like such a wide range of like people that they could have invited. And then my reach was really small compared to the people I'd look around in the room for. And I'd just be like, why have you wasted your money inviting just me when you could have invited so I could name 10 people who would be yeah. amazing for this right now yeah. and you would have extended your reach so your client would be a lot happier because you know it would have gone out to more people and you would have diversified your reach so that not everyone in the room I'm sh- not not all the time but a lot of them will have the same following and the same demographic same people so if you diversify your reach then it means that more people yeah. and different types of people yeah, will, will find yeah, you yeah. so I just used to get annoyed but it wasn't just me it was lots of my friends and it was either being the only person of color the only plus size person the only LGBTQ like the list goes on and yeah. it was just it's overwhelming and it's also upsetting if you I don't know how many people have experienced this listening but if you get invited to somewhere and you feel other do you feel different someone comes up to you and changes the way they speak completely because they assume you speak in a certain way and then speaks to the next person next to you in a completely normal way and you know that they've they've kind of tried to make you feel comfortable because of a stereotype in their mind yeah yeah. i mean i've definitely had that i've had people come up to me and speak really slowly slowly because they assume that i don't speak english and then when i start speaking they're like oh your english is actually really good um (laughs) i studied languages at university so it really annoys me because outside of the uk everyone does speak english yeah. to, a, to a certain degree we just and don't speak another and another language, language yeah we just don't <laughs> do well in languages but yeah so um that was my experience and lots of other people's experiences and you know i have left events in tears before just through frustration i've had friends leave events call me voice note me just to say like i don't know what to do i'm so upset should i message the pr should i message the brand to say something because i just they made me feel so uncomfortable but then that's then they felt uncomfortable because if they did that then it's highlighting something that maybe won't have led to more work because Mm. it just would make the PR uncomfortable so they'd be like oh maybe we just won't work with her again because she just you know wasn't great for being there Yeah. yeah what do you think brands can do better or like what do you tell your clients that you work with I think the top my always my top tip is just diversifying your team like I I don't if we look at the stats and there's been recent reports, even um, as, uh, yeah, as early as last week, we had a new report come out about the diversity within influence, influence marketing and also advertising. But the stats show there's just not enough diversity within workforces, mm. specifically within advertising. Yeah. And that's where influence marketing falls into. Mm. Um, so that's just the biggest thing for me, just yeah. making sure if you don't have internally the resources to, to ensure that your team are diverse, then hire creatives hire freelancers who can come in and help you with that you have every opportunity every opportunity to do things you can get interns you can get men um you could do like mentorship programs you can do work experience you could if that's like your limitation in terms of cash flow because you can't afford to you know hire new people at the moment but there's so many things that you could do to help because diversity for me isn't like i hate the word i find it so funny because in London, you walk down the street and you see people look like me, like you, like my dad, like my cousins, like every like square mile, it's diverse, quote unquote. Yeah. That's normality in my mind in London. So 
when you don't see that reflected in campaigns and on TV adverts, it's it is a bit mind blowing because you're just like you're not representing what we see. Also, there's been stats to show that advertisements that are more diverse with the models and actors that they choose do actually perform better. I think it's like yeah, that makes so much sense. It's yeah. so intuitive because you can bring in larger audiences. Exactly. I think they. It's just. It's normal. Like this is what I'm trying to. And when yeah. I talk to people about diversity, I always try to say like we're talking about diversity, but actually we're just talking about people. Yeah. And we shouldn't be like naming influencers. You know, diverse influencers. So I work mm. with clients all the time. They're like we want a diverse group of influencers. Yeah. And it's like a person isn't diverse, yeah. but the group can be diverse, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. So if the way things are written, sometimes I'm just like, I'm not a diverse influencer. That doesn't actually make any sense. Yeah. And then we use the word BAME again. That doesn't make sense. You can't yeah. be like, you can't market to BAME groups because within BAME, it's an acronym. Yeah. So if, what, what do you think about the BAME, uh, term BAME? Because I have my personal opinions as well as, and, as a minority. Yeah, and I think, f- especially as an Asian person, it must be infuriating because you have black, Asian, minority ethnic, whatever minority ethnic yeah, even means. Yeah, what does that even mean? But then mean? within it, it, Asian, yeah. are we talking East Asian, South Asian, Southeast? Yeah, There's exactly. so many differences. Exactly. At least, you know, if we're going to talk about black people, there is a kind of sense of like common community. Mm. But if we talk about Asian people as a group, that doesn't make any sense yeah. because it's such a wide range of different cultures. Yeah. So I have a real stigma against this word. I really hate it um, because I hate the way it's used. And I yeah. think the problem that we have is the lack of understanding of the language that we're using around quote unquote diverse groups. Yeah. And I think we need to understand we not being us, but you know, people who do use these words understand what they actually mean because yeah. I get a lot of questions from brands and publishers and people that I work with that I I do consultancy for and the way they that they ask the questions just shows me their complete lack of understanding yeah and they always say like I hope to not you know say this wrong and I'm just like you know what just say it there's no wrong because you don't know so let's just talk about it but I do get annoyed because I'm just like how who's taught this where has this come from where has this idea that you know BAME is one thing and you can just advertise to BAME people and that we don't need to think about the individuals it's just BAME or white yeah and that does that actually makes no sense yeah, so yeah. I think it sounds a bit clinical it's super it? clinical Bame, just like everyone who's not white yeah and it's really yeah. othering because yeah. it's just showing that white people are everything and then BAME is the other yeah but actually if, if we specifically talk about London I, I hate the word um, or the term minority ethnic. I just mm-hmm. have this thing. I don't like the word ethnic and I don't understand the whole minority ethnic. Yeah. And if we talk within London, ethnic, quote unquote, people aren't actually the minority, they're the majority. Yeah. So I always get whenever I, I talk to people about these things, I'm just I just really want people to understand like language and think yeah. about yeah. why they use what they use. It's not they didn't make this up and to use it is not wrong. But to think, okay, where did we get these terms from? Where did we get these phrases from? How are they making people feel? Yeah. And then how can we just change things? So I now use, um, I used to talk about diversity a lot um, because that was the buzzword that we were using. But now I'm just like, no, we, we are a, an agency that focuses on representation yeah. because we want to showcase the different talent there is of all races, of all abilities, of everything that's there. And we're like helping 
yeah. to represent people. Yeah, in that's that way. a really good word, representation. Yeah. And what would be the right term to use instead of BAME or ethnic minority in your view? I think just, I think we just need to like get rid of it full stop. Yeah. I think the idea of having, I think we're in a really good space right now that we're working more. I think it's going to be like a transition. So we're currently working with lots of BAME or black mm. or black and we always say black and brown content creators, but whatever it might be, we're working with a lot of those now. A lot of brands are explicitly looking to diversify their feeds. Yeah. So that's great. But in a year, two years, three years, maybe we just don't use those terms yeah. because it's become normal to have, yeah. you know, black girls in fashion, Asian girls of any type, different, you know, just different people. And I'm hoping that it just becomes a norm. Yeah. The trend flows to a normality and then we just have influencers yeah. and that's it. Yeah. And then if you want to specifically talk about, you know, hitting certain markets, you can say, you know, we want to talk directly to Indian women or East Asian women, or you have to be like really specific with what you want because you want to hit certain demographics. You might want to be specifically talking to Caribbean women. Yeah. You know, so I think unless you have a specific campaign that hit, needs to hit a demographic, I don't think we need to be yeah. talking. And it sounds really like airy fairy, <laughs> but I just I just don't get it because I yeah. don't if I sit at home with my boyfriends and like if I'm with my family, I don't think, oh, you know, my mum's white and with you know the Bane people in this room, I think. You know, we're all people. It should just be people. And that, I know it sounds really lame, but I, in my mind, I've never understood it. So yeah, that's why I'm always like trying to like talk yeah, around yeah. it and be like, guys, let's just like diversify yeah, what we're yeah. saying. Yeah, but until it becomes normal, do you think it's important for brands to set KPIs to make sure that Big time. Yeah, yeah. they have representation? This sounds so clinical, yeah. but I literally say to the brands I work with, you need to set clear objectives, mm. clear KPIs that you are forced to um be held accountable for yeah. so if it's a case of right we're doing a campaign every month and we need 10 influencers and within those influencers five of them need to be people of color and within those five people of color three of them need to be black yeah like that has to, like that might that's a real broad reference but that could be it yeah we need to work with you know x amount of creative agencies within this time, I need to make sure that three out of five of those creative agencies are run by people of colour. Yeah. Out of those three, two of them are, are black people. Yeah, like, yeah. we just have to, I think at this point, we just have to really just throw it out there and, just, yeah. and make it yeah. obvious. And until it becomes normal. Until it becomes and normal. it becomes natural for Exactly, everyone. because yeah. you just, at the moment, it's tick boxing and that sounds really sad and clinical and I am kind of against tick boxing, but if it's going to lead to real change, then yeah. I'm so for it because yeah. if it becomes rules that we just have to do, it only takes like three weeks to get into a routine. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. hopefully three months we can just get used to the fact yeah. that, okay, we need to. And people do, do need to report to senior management who are middle-class white men. Yeah, so exactly. So it's just KPIs. like, these are the KPIs. We're going to reach them. And they'll be like, amazing. We're reaching our targets. Yeah, yeah. And it's all yeah. fun and games. So yeah, I think it's really yeah. important. So what's been the most memorable project that you've done with brand? We've actually just finished working with Badoo, which is the dating app. And that's actually been my favourite, sorry to everyone else, but my favourite campaign to work <laughs> on. So the creative team saw me on a live with one of my friends, um, Chloe from Thyself. Shout out to Chloe. Oh, I love Chloe. <laughs> she's amazing. She, yeah, she's in our accelerator program. Yeah, she is. Yeah, oh my she God, is yeah. amazing. So Chloe's one of my best friends and she's just incredible. She's actually my accountability partner. So we speak to each other every day and um, we get stuff that. done. So yeah. I'm really, really love Chloe but we did a live about 
um, like HR, like internal issues for people of colour. And it was like really early on um, in June. And then the someone from the Bidu team, friends of Chloe, watched it and then were like, oh, we really want to work with Charlotte. So they, she, they reached out and we basically put this campaign together, which was, it consisted of a focus group with our network. So we had a um, few, few people from our network come and do a Zoom call. And we asked them all these questions about being a person of colour in dating. So we had so many different types of people. We had black girls, we had black boys, mixed, East Asian, Middle Eastern, East Asian, not mixed, and white. Like anything you can think of, we really try to like get out there. Yeah. And we've got a really diverse group of people on our network. So it was quite easy to, to do that. Um, so, so interesting. Yeah, it was really interesting. And it was really interesting to see because I've never actually used a dating app before. And... I didn't know, but my team, everyone else had. So we were, we were going through questions about what people felt when they, you know, got certain messages and what kind of messages they received. And each person, no matter what their race was, received really weird things. Like, <laughs> like there's a lot of like fetishism on dating yeah. apps. There's a lot of talk around food. So comparing to like Middle Eastern girls got like hummus. The black guys got a lot of chocolate references. Yeah. The lighter skin mixed race girls got caramel queen like there was lots of things and it was always food related which become really weird yeah that's quite cringy (laughs) yeah it was really cringy and then a lot of it was like yeah it was just really there was some really funny things that came out of it and just weird stuff and it was a really nice safe environment we were all just like had a really good chat and so we created some content we worked with two graphic designers and illustrators and they created some content based on that focus group and then we also did some content around the black lives matter movement and what it means and just educational pieces so um, to date, that's been actually my favourite because it was really um, inclusive and it was really like everyone had a part to play and it was just such an amazing thing to work on and we hope to do more of those. So yeah, That sounds amazing. <laughs> I'll go watch that. It was really good. I'll send you some of the pieces. Yeah, yeah, please do. So let's talk about the influencer side of things from okay. your agency. I know that you provide a couple of toolkits for your influencers. So you're yeah. actually bringing them jobs but also educating them. Yeah. yeah can you tell me more about them? So... For me, education around the industry is really important because the influencer industry, it's not really in its infancy anymore. We're like a good 10 to 12 years into it. You know, being an influencer has evolved massively since, you know, 2010, but it still existed in 2010, just in a slightly different way. So I find it really difficult that we have literally one rule and it's just make sure that you your audience knows that it's an ad. It's an ad. So using yeah. hashtag ad or the paid partnership tool. And I get really annoyed because there's no consistency with pay. It's just really, it's quite a dangerous game to play because yeah. if the brands can take a lot of influencers for a ride, but influencers can also take the brands for a ride and you mm-hmm. can waste money and you can lose money from it. So I just want everyone to ensure that they are clued up with everything that they can yeah. be. But then also we have a really big issue that black and brown content creators heavily undercharge their fees compared to white and white passing influencers. And we didn't realise until recently how bad it was because we've been reaching out to a lot of people that we work with um, quite heavily recently for loads of campaigns that we're doing. And every single time, without a doubt, bar one person actually recently who I had a call with, but every person has come back with a fee that's at least 20% less than it should be. Yeah. A lot of the times. It's so how do, how do you know this? Have you 
been comparing with your yeah so I've been in the I've been working in this industry for nearly 10 years so I've been paying people for nearly 10 years for influencer marketing of course so that obviously as time has gone on fees have changed and they've gone up way more and I've worked not just exclusively with black and brown content creators but my whole career has been with everyone so I know that average fees that people get paid I'm an influencer myself I know how much I charge and how much I get paid so when we and I know that I can charge these amounts because I do get paid them so it's not like oh I'm just picking numbers out of the air that we are really really fair with the with the fees that we we've like created we have um, little brackets that we've put it put it in um, to like a spreadsheet to say if you have between 5,000 10,000 you should get paid this much around this much 10,000 to 20 around this much and it's all to do with how good your engagement is and the type of content that you create but we have these kind of boundaries that we set and we just noticed that black content creators specifically but black and brown undercharged so much that it's actually like hits us in our gut like we're every time we're just like so the other day someone as an example um sent over a fee but i have a budget that i have prepared for and in my head i knew if she was a white influencer she would have gone above but i was like this this is the exact amount that she should be paid and she came back and i was like okay no you're going to be paid for this because that is how much you should be paid it's a lot it's a lot of work and this is like the fee that you you should be paid for that amount yeah. of work and she was just it was, actually wasn't the influence it was her manager mm. and I was taken aback because the problem that we have is it's not just the influencers it's also the management yeah. so we've had a lot of um, influence agencies pop up in the last couple of months and it's mainly around the Black Lives Matter resurgence yeah. and them taking ownership of um, influencers and making sure they get paid and that's amazing but a lot of them don't actually understand the the money that's in the industry and the fees that they should be charging. Yeah. So I have calls actually on a weekly basis with different agencies who are starting up to, to help them talk through the fees for their influencers. Oh, because wow. So you're not only cultivating your influencers, but you're also cultivating yeah. other agencies. That's amazing. So you're changing the whole landscape of the agencies. I hope so. Just yeah. because we know the money, we get yeah. money coming in. I've actually become so desensitized to money in the last couple of years because we, it just gets thrown around. We've got 10 grand, we've got 20 grand, yeah. we've got this. And it's just like, okay, cool. Yeah. And it's not, for me, it's just like a commodity. Obviously, I'm not getting that money. The influence is <laughs> that I wish it was all coming to me. But it's just negotiation. And yeah. seeing people not negotiate properly makes me fr- frustrated just because I can just see where this is going to go. We're now getting work as black and brown content creators and it's like a thing. People are diversifying their feeds. They're trying to work with more people, but everyone's undercharging. So then it's going to become really exciting to be a black and brown content creator because you're getting loads of work, but you're getting loads of work because you're cheap. And that's not where we need to go because we need to make sure that everyone's being paid a similar price. Everyone's different because we have our different engagement rates. We have our different content. We sit in different categories. Totally get that. Some some brands have bigger budgets than others. We have to be really adaptable. Mm. But generally, you need to have a fee that is your fee. And then you can negotiate up and down from yeah. that. But when you're already starting at a ridiculously low fee, you can't go up from there. Yeah. And what's unfortunate about yeah, it is... because brands talk as well. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, oh, you should go with this girl because she's super cheap. Mm. And it's just like, no, because if girls that I know are able to buy houses and pay for their extravagant weddings and all of this stuff because they're doing four posts a month then the girls that I work with should also be able to do the same 
because they're charging the same amount yeah. but that's not happening so yeah. that's for me is the biggest thing at the moment it wasn't a big priority for me a few months ago um but I think recently it's just become so apparent especially because it's friends of mine I work yeah. a lot with my friends because most of my friends are influencers yeah. and then when they are undercharging I'm just like Whoa. Yeah, it's so upsetting yeah isn't it? yeah but then when they're managed by white agencies mm. or agencies with white people working yeah. there they don't undercharge so that's mm. the difference interesting so this yeah. is something that I found really apparent and also it's not anything really to do with not knowing what to do it's just the fact that we see a lot like black and brown content creators haven't really been sourced and like wanted for so long so yeah. they're not getting as much work yeah. so I feel like if you get loads of work you know more or less what your fee would be because mm-hmm. you you have someone come in and say oh, I've got 700 pounds I've got 800 pounds I've got yeah. 650 and it's always the same amount of money so you yeah. can kind of think okay this should be my rate because yeah. you know five people have spoken to me this week and yeah. that's what they've said yeah. but if you're not getting that and you don't know what the average fee should be yeah. because you're not getting any work how are you going to make that number up yeah. you're going to think oh what should my day rate be and that might be like 250 pounds yeah. but actually influencer marketing is a completely different kettle of fish to like being a creative and having your day rate mm. so you can't compare them and a lot of people don't know that yeah. so yeah that's my biggest thing right now is just ensuring people are being paid properly yeah because i think yeah. it's really important yeah. I mean, obviously, we work with a lot of influencers and when we ask for their quotes, the quotes are really random as well. Yeah. How do you think we can make sure that the whole industry is a bit more streamlined? Because there's so much, yeah. um, I don't know, it's just not transparent. It's really finger in the air. Do you know what? We need a kind of like governing board. I think that's mm. the only way. It's something that I've been talking about for a really long time and I want to speak to different people to see how we can get it going. I think the problem that we have is there are some memberships you can be part of but you have to pay for them and they're always run by middle-aged middle-class white men who have (laughs) actually no as with everything else, yeah who have no experience in the actual industry as an influencer so I think we need to have people who are ex-influencers or influencers who just have the knowledge or they've worked in the industry for a really long time on the ground not as like the big boss as someone who has been paying people who has you know, been working with people. So they have an understanding because it's a really weird industry. It's not it like, is. a, this isn't a normal one. It's it's kind of like modeling. It's kind of like acting. It's kind of like everything, but it's kind of everything all encompassing. Yeah. So I think we just need people to come together. And I know- um, And I think people don't appreciate how much work goes into oh, it. Oh God, no. They think, you're trying to be the model photographer and the creative at the exactly. same time. Exactly. This is what I always say. So if you were to do this outside of this influencer, you would hire- a creative director, a videographer, a model, a makeup artist, a, a stylist. You would hire all those people. So how did, how would you normally have a fee for all of those, but you can't pay someone the rate that they deserve for that? So that's my biggest thing. Um, I think we need to ensure that there's some kind of, yeah, governing body. And I know that um, in Australia, they've got one forming, um, Anthony Richardson, who is the founder of Q83, Kitly, it's a software. Mm-hmm. I speak to him quite a lot and he is part of the Australian version. And I know in the States, they're doing something similar, but I think in the UK, I'm sure it's happening and I just haven't got you know, access to it. I don't, I only get access to things when it's related to diversity. I'm mm-hmm. literally only picked on when it's a diversity focused thing, not an agency focused thing, which is kind of annoying and I'm trying to work on that. But I think we need to figure that out and think of ways because things like usage rights, as an example, people yeah. keep coming to me to ask for usage rights. Um, 
and how it works. And I've had lots of calls with people recently to make sure that I understand it. Yeah. And it's hilarious because basically what I've figured out is we've never done that. We've in the industry, unless that you're an agency that has like a modeling agency on the side or you're part of a modeling agency, you don't really charge for usage rights. And mm. then it's always an extra. So then the numbers are actually made up. So people are always just, they tell me the numbers of what they've done in the past and it's always just kind of like finger in the air yeah, because yeah. it doesn't exist. But I feel you, like everyone's creating their own rules yeah. here and there. So that's why we create our rules within 7-6 and we speak to other agencies, we speak to modelling agencies mm. and talent yeah. agencies to make sure that we're fair. I'm a really big believer in being fair. Um, so we always give a little bit extra to what other agencies do because I just think that's just something nice to do. We want custom we understand that the industry is about relationships and about personality and about people yeah. and not about ai and it's not about numbers yeah. because at the end of the day you could have a thousand followers and make a thousand sales you yeah. could have a million followers and make yeah. a thousand sales yeah, definitely so yeah, it's just yeah. an understanding yeah. so yeah i love that whole ethos and you've spoken a lot about racial representation what are your thoughts around other um, representation, like sexual orientation, size, yeah. disability, etc.? So I tend to lean towards racial diversity because it's something that's so like close to my heart and I'm passionate about because I have been a victim of stereotyping and, and all of that. So it's easier for me to talk about. But I also work a lot with brands on all the other types because I think it's really important. Things that often get missed out of class. It's like the biggest diversity form that's not actually in the list of of, of like the pillars of diversity it's an extra but that's one I talk about a lot plus size making sure that brands and I this is a really difficult one because a lot of brands still only go up to a size 18 and they think that's good but actually it's not because it's just the cheaper option it, it's the standard size that factories go up to which is great if you are a size 18 but then it's just it, it excludes everyone else who's out you know above that and that's why a lot of designer clothes don't go up to a larger size it's because they're just trying to keep it cheap they're just trying to mm -hmm. you know keep it within their price range and I, I get that but again we're talking about people we need to make sure that everything's accessible to people yeah. so I think it's really important as brands to just have that mindset and I think the best way and I say this all the time to people and it sounds really really lame but diversify your friendship group I thought about this the other day I have um, a super diverse friendship group but I grew up in Hertfordshire and I went to university with pretty much all white people. Yeah. I went to school with all white people. I've not, apart from my family, I've not really had any friends in my educational and like upbringing mm. that look like me or look like people that I'm friends with now. But I made a big point in my life to ensure that I had friends who didn't just look like my friends from back home yeah. because... I didn't understand why that would be a thing. Um, my my family are from, are from London. My parents just moved, unfortunately, to, to Hertfordshire when I was a child. So they have a super diverse friendship group. But I couldn't create that when I was younger because it didn't exist. Yeah. Um, so it's quite funny. And I always think if I can have trans friends, you know, East Asian, South Asian, um, Southeast Asian friends, black friends from different parts of the world, uh, I have friends who are lesbian gay bi like anything you can think of I have a friend that kind of ticks that box yeah. not because I'm trying to tick box just because I live in a world where they exist and yeah. we just we've become friends through personality and if I can do it then you can as well yeah. so I get really confused to why people don't have diverse friendship groups um, and I talk about this even within my own friends who are white and I'm just like 
they always say, oh, you know, but we, where I live, there's no one. And where I where I went to school, and I was like, yeah, but I had the exact same thing, maybe even worse because you lived in London. Yeah. So where are your friends? And I think that's just like the biggest thing. And it's quite difficult as an adult to make, just like yeah. decide, okay, I'm going to go and make some new friends yeah, there. What, what do you think is the biggest roadblock to people not having diverse groups? And what can people do? I think it's just conditioning. I think mm. it's just like, I went to this school and these are my friends and I don't need to look further out than that. But actually, yeah. I think parenting is really important. And this is like everything stems back to like the right, the root. So parents should ensure that you bring your kids up to un to have you know an understanding of different cultures and also just to look at people in a different way. Yeah. So I, I'm looking to buy a house next year and I've said to my partner, I want to live somewhere where when I walk out of my road, I can see everyone from a different culture but there's not a difference in this sounds really really mad but the class system yeah. you know there's not a difference in class yeah. I don't want to walk out onto the street and the only people that look like me are from this sounds awful to say and I'm going to say it but the only people that look like me are you know poor from a council estate and that's that's a real stereotype and I feel really bad about that because you know we need to understand that all races have the ability to be all types of classes. Yeah. And I think that's just something to note. And not everyone thinks like that. And it blows my mind because if I w rock up somewhere in a tracksuit, I know that there's a preconception of what I look like, what, who I am. Mm. But actually, it might not be that same person. And, you know, vice versa, there's lots of different friendship groups that I'm part of that they know that if they look the certain way, if they do, they say something in a certain way that they'll be judged and someone will think that they are something that they're not. Yeah. And I think that's just really important to note. People need to just have a bit more of an open mind and also just make friends. Like all my friends I've made pretty much from the internet or from my job. Mm. So like you can find friends on Instagram. Like yeah. I'm a MySpace baby. I used to <laughs> live on MySpace and have like my top eight and like code my, my MySpace page. But I made a lot of my friends online as a kid yeah, and I still amazing. do now, which for some people that's quite weird, mm. but that's what the internet's for. If you're using a dating app to date, like use Instagram to make a friend. Yeah. So. Yeah, and it's so enriching to have a diverse group of friends. Yeah. You learn something new. Exactly. Food is like the biggest thing. Yeah. Like you get introduced to new food and you're like, oh my God. And then, yeah, culture, holiday opportunities if their family live somewhere else. Oh yeah. Like I have so many friends who are from like Hong Kong, Singapore, um, like different places in Africa and I know that if I ever wanted to go to those places I can be like okay guys so I'm going to come stay with your family is that okay and they'll be uh -huh. totally down with it and you can have that real local experience yeah. which is amazing it's just so much better yeah. so I think yeah my biggest top tip is just make friends that don't look like you and don't talk like you and you'll be way better off and you're like you'll enrich your life so much more because you'll just be in my mind a normal person then that's such great <laughs> advice and finally, what kind of advice would you give to someone who's starting out as an influencer? I think don't do it for the money. That's like my biggest thing. So many people are just becoming influencers because they want to make money. And to be honest, it is a really lucrative game and you can make a lot of money. But there has to be a reason behind the content that you create. So some people just post outfit pictures and post like selfies and stuff because they just have a really cool style and it works for them. But other people, you you kind of need to fit into a niche. So is it that you're business focused? Is it that your focus is around sustainability? Is it whatever it might be? Is it food? 
think think of what it is that you want to be known for and what you can actually contribute to so not just because you want to be famous for being a food blogger it's no i can actually you know create amazing content that will help people you know make food or know where to go out for dinner or whatever it might be um and just focus on that just make sure that you own your niche own your content and just make sure also that it's just good because we get a lot of people that message us and they're like, I want to be represented by 7-6. And I look at their content, I'm just like, you're not going to be booked. And you're not going to be hired. And that's a really like horrible thing to say. But there's so many people out there now who want to be an influencer. There are so many content creators. Yeah. So you're having to fight your way to the top. And, and there's just, so many similar content. Yeah, exactly. There. So if your content's just not good enough, you're not going to do well. So just make sure your content's good as well. That's my top tips. That's such great advice. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed speaking to you and I've been so inspired today. Oh, thanks. This was so great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Astrid and Mew Brand Lab podcast. If you enjoyed listening, please do make sure you like, subscribe, and leave a review. And to learn more about the Brand Lab, please come search on our website, astridandmew.com.